What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the question and answer podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. You can ask me anything and everything about our Catholic faith from morality to spirituality, whether it's a question about everyday life or what we believe as Catholics. I'm here to simply help you find answers. If you are a first-time listener, please be sure to follow the podcast. You can hit me up with your own questions and comments at www.assistantpress.com slash askfatherjosh. On today's show, we're going to be talking about how to build bridges with our Protestant brothers and sisters. But before we get into that great question, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story this week is not my own. It's coming in from one of our viewers who writes this. Hey, Father Josh, this is not a question. I just wanted to share a glory story. Over the summer, I noticed that the story of Martha and Mary kept coming up in my prayer life. I constantly felt like Martha, but was longing to be more like Mary, especially my longing to be in adoration. One of the things keeping me busy, distracted, and stressed was my now former job that was also infringing on consistent time for Mass. So for multiple reasons, I left my job with the firm commitment to be in adoration at least once a week. I found a local church nearby with adoration from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Even though I'm still looking for a new job, please pray for me, I have much more overwhelming peace and joy from spending time before the Eucharist in adoration than I can remember in a long time. I started with your pocket guide to adoration, and I've since recognized some different ways Jesus calls me to be with him in adoration. I feel more like Mary, and I'm grateful for this time and to be able to establish this habit before I take on whatever is next for me so that I can continue time in adoration even with whatever comes next for me. Thank you for your introduction to adoration. It truly has been a blessed time for me. I'm keeping you in prayer, and I'm grateful for you, Father Josh. Anonymous, well, Anonymous, God bless you. Thank you. Pray for me when you spend time with the, the Lord before the Blessed Sacrament. Um, and if you want to help us make adoration more available to our students here at Sacred Heart of Jesus School, you can do that. St. Louis, the Ninth Art Society uh, is raising money right now to transform one of our old art classrooms into a chapel, and we're going to transform a classroom into an art classroom. And uh, But we are going to take the, the former chapel for the nuns that is now an art room and make it back into a chapel. It already has a setup to be a chapel again, and so uh, we need to raise some funds for that. So we're almost there. Uh, so we will have the link to that in the show notes if you want to donate to that. That way our kids and our teachers can also go to adoration all the time. If you want to receive show notes, again, and any updates about this podcast, be sure to subscribe to my email list by texting Ask Father Josh at 33777. And with that, let's get into today's topic. All 
All right, so D writes this. How can we as Catholics build relational bridges with our Protestant brothers and sisters, especially with those who are anti-Catholic, and see Catholics as less than Christian or even pagan? Also, do you know the historical reason behind this mentality? D. Yeah, so D, that's, that's a great question. Um, historical reasons but between animosity between Catholics and Protestant Christians, uh, Catholic Christians, and Pro- it, it goes back to the, the Protestant revolt when Martin Luther broke away from the church. Martin Luther, he was a, an Augustinian priest, and he saw corruption in people in the church. The church herself is the bride of Christ. She's not corrupt. There weren't corrupt doctrines of the church that he was struggling with. It was his brothers and sisters who he was proximate to. He saw them doing things, the bishops, the priests, the nuns, the laity, were doing things that were not good. And so rather than reforming the church from within, Martin Luther decided to break away from the, the church and found his own church. That's where we get Luther, uh, the Lutheran religion, um, uh, Lutheranism. And then after he broke away, Calvin broke away, and John Smith broke away, and that's where you get Calvinists and Baptists and uh, John Allen and Methodist. And uh, and now there's like a new non-denominational Christian community that's started every week because someone reads the Bible and interprets it from itself and doesn't go to the church because you know the church gave us the Bible. The church gave us the Bible. The Bible wasn't always there. It was the church who gave us the Bible through Pope Damasus in the year 382 or something like that at the Council of Rome. But uh, they just people read the Bible and then they disagree with each other and they found a new Christian community. And so some of these communities, they are anti-Catholic because they are Protestant. The word Protestant means protest the Catholic church, but not all Protestants are anti-Catholic. I have my dad's Methodist. I have uh, Baptists in my family. I have non-denominational Christians, evangelicals in my family. So not all Protestants are anti-Catholic, but some are. And, and there's some Catholics who who believe that Protestants are pagans, and there's some Catholics who believe that that Protestants are less than Christian, and so there there's there's always this this divide. I think it comes down to this: two things. One, objectively, does Jesus Christ want one church? Yes, because that's all he founded. He only founded one church two thousand years ago, so he wants one church. He does not uh, get joy over division. But two, while we are not one yet, whenever we treat each other with disrespect, that's not becoming of a disciple of Jesus Christ, whether you're a Catholic Christian or a Protestant Christian. And so whether you are a Catholic or Protestant, we are called to be patient with our brothers and sisters and kind to them and gentle with them and not gossip about them or be rude to them or speak ill about them or gossip about them or detract them. Um, So it comes down to Catholics and Christians not being Christian and not acting like Jesus. And, And so that's that's that part. What can we do, though, to, to build, build bridges? Now, this is something very special to me and very important to me because I try to do this in, in my ministry. I've always tried to do this throughout my priesthood. And so I think there are a number of things that I've done that I, could think, I think I can share them with you that might be helpful for you as you try to build bridges between Catholic Christians and Protestant Christians. Number one, I think uh, praise and worship is something that is like universal. A lot of people enjoy praising God outside the liturgy with music. And so one thing we did when I was pastor at Holy Rosary is on Friday nights and like Lent, we would go in the cafe and we would invite Protestant praise and worship leaders and Catholic praise and worship leaders to come together. And we would just praise God for hours. We would literally just praise God. We loved Jesus together. We would call on the Holy Spirit. We would glorify God and we would praise God. So I think praising God together. Like if, if uh, you could do this outside of mass, you can literally have like a praise and worship session at your house or at your apartment or anywhere. 
And so number one, I think praise and worship, uh, praying together. Number two, studying scripture together, Bible study, right? You don't have to do an explicitly Catholic Bible study to do a Bible study. And so you could do an Old Testament scripture study, or you could do a study on the life of St. Peter or the life of St. Paul. But gathering together weekly with people for Bible study and then being in relationship, being in friendship with them outside the Bible study as well. So if you're going to meet on uh, Wednesday morning for Bible study, then also grab coffee on like Tuesday afternoons and uh, do praise and worship on Saturday evenings or go to parties and events together, have dinner together, break bread together, become friends. Bible study is a great place to begin to cultivate those, those friendships that can eventually become lifelong friendships. Number three, serve the poor. Uh, another thing we did at my last parish is we would serve the poor and we would invite anyone to the table to serve the poor with us, Catholic and Protestant alike. And so the poor will always be with us and you don't have to be Catholic to serve the poor. Uh, you don't have to believe in our doctrines to join us in serving the poor. So if you and your parish have a St. Vincent de Paul Society or a soup kitchen or a food pantry, then invite your Protestant brothers and sisters to join you in serving the poor. We're all called to love the poor. And so we can disagree with doctrine and dogma while we're serving the poor together. When I was a missionary in Calcutta with Mother Teresa's nuns, I worked with people from every background, Catholic, Protestant, fallen Catholic, atheist, agnostic, Hindus, a Muslim, and there were all these different groups of people that came together to serve at Mother Teresa's nuns, the poorest of the poor. And while we would serve the poor, we would have conversations with each other. Some were difficult and some were life-giving, some were joyful, but we would have conversations about theology. And so I think you can have those deeper conversations when you invest in the relationship. If we give people rules about relationship, they're just going to rebel. But if we establish a relationship first, then we become interested in why they believe what they believe. And they typically will be more interested in listening to us tell them why we believe what we believe as well. Speaking of that, go on mission trips together. Like there are so many mission trips. When I was at LSU uh, last year, we took a mission trip to go serve some of the poor, uh, our brothers and sisters experiencing poverty in the Yucatan. And we brought Catholics and Protestants on that mission. And so uh, that was a great trip where we were able to bond with each other and enjoy friendship. And uh, I know at least one of the young ladies who was Protestant afterwards, she started coming to Mass every day. Get involved in justice activities together. So don't just do charity, but like pro-life ministries, pro-life events, the March for Life, praying outside abortion clinics, that bonds people together, um, or participating in other social justice initiatives, dialogues on race, anti-racist uh, protest, activism. Those things can bond people together. And so whether it's praise and worship or Bible study or going on mission trips or serving the poor or doing uh, studies together, Bible studies or participating in pro-life events or anti-racist events, these are all things that I have found throughout my ministry have really bonded Catholics and Protestants together in real deep friendship. And as you do these things, then hang out with the person outside of these events and these studies and these prayer gatherings. And that way you establish a real friendship, a real relationship. I think that, that that's really special. And so the fact that you care about this means to me that you're drawing close to Jesus. Because in John 17, this is what he prayed for, Father, that they may be one. Jesus Christ wants unity. He does not want this unity. This unity is not something we should take light. It's not funny to say, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal because Catholics believe baptism saves and, and this group of Protestants doesn't believe that or Catholics believe that the Eucharist is the body of Christ and, and this group of Protestants don't believe that or, or, you know, like those things aren't trivial for Jesus. They were very important to Jesus and he wants us to be able to really engage in authentic dialogue with each other and pray with each other and study together the word of God together and the history of the church together. That way we can console his heart and begin to 
not just pray together and serve the poor together, but also worship together. Like the whole point of all this is that we will worship God together side by side eventually. And God cares about worship. So I think that your heart is a beautiful heart, D, and I think that you are consoling him by just asking the question. And so I would encourage you and our listeners to, to try to cultivate unity uh, in the body of Christ to all people. Jesus said in the gospel, go out and make disciples of all nations, of all people. He didn't say of some people. He didn't say, go make disciples of fellow Catholics. He said all people. So go to your Baptist friend or your, your Methodist friend or your Evangelical friend or your non-denominational friend or your Calvinist friend and invite them to adoration. Invite them to praise and worship. Invite them to serve the poor. Invite them to your Bible study. Invite them to your mission trips. Invite them to your table to break bread with you. Fellowship with them. Be devoted to this and um, and just see what the Holy Spirit would do through your, your relationships that are intentional with our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who... Um, have different beliefs from those of us who are Catholic about Christ and his church. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dive into our final topic, which is our saint for today's show. Imagine this. You're walking down the street and a Christian at a table with a bunch of pamphlets asks you, have you been saved? What would you do? Would you know how to respond? Hi, I'm Dr. Andrew Swafford, and I'm co-presenter along with Jeff Cavins in Ascension's new Great Adventure Bible Study, Romans, the Gospel of Salvation. In this study, we teach you the biblical foundations for the Catholic teaching on salvation, how to explain salvation quickly and easily to non-Christians, what St. Paul really meant by works not leading to salvation, and how we can enter more deeply into Christ. Paul's letter to the Romans has been at the center of reflection, conversion, and controversy from the very beginning, and it's widely considered his greatest work. I invite you to start a small group in your home or parish and embark on this great adventure. Romans, the Gospel of Salvation is available to order. Visit ascensionpress.com. And we're back. Quick reminder, if you are a first-time listener, be sure to follow the podcast. You can also hit me up with your own questions and comments at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. And if you want to receive show notes and any updates about the podcast, be sure to subscribe to our email list by texting askfatherjosh at 33777. All right, saint for the show. So it's Advent season right now. We're in Advent. Advent and Lent are two of my favorite seasons. I love Advent. I love Lent because they're penitential seasons, more prayer, more fasting. And so what we're doing as a parish at Sacred Heart, and I want to invite y'all to join us, is we're reading the Gospel of Matthew every day. There's 28 days of Advent. You're going to hear this podcast on Thursday. So if you go back to Sunday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, read the first five chapters of Matthew's Gospel by the time you hear this podcast. And then on Friday, pick up chapter six. If you read a chapter a day for Advent, you will be on Christmas Eve, the 24th of December. So 28 days of Advent, 28 days, the God, uh, 28 chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. So we read a chapter a day. The great saint that we're going to spend time with today is a saint who was rooted in the Word of God, St. Joseph. St. Joseph, according to Scripture, was a just man. And a just man biblically is a man who was rooted in Scripture. He loved Scripture. He read Scripture. He was devoted to Scripture. And so he's going to be our saint that we're going to invite to accompany us as we dive deeper into Scripture, as we dive deeper into the Word of God, as we dive deeper into listening to the voice of God speak to us today. Uh, Joseph is the spouse of Mary. He's the father of Jesus. Joseph did not grasp at Mary. He did not possess Mary. He let Mary be free. He simply provided for Jesus and Mary, protected them, but did not. he did not have any ulterior motives in his walk. And so I think that he's a great saint for us to look to, to say, man, like Joseph, we want to be like you. We want to imitate you in your virtues because we want to abide in a deeper relationship with Mary and with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so 
one of the ways that we could do that is by imitating his prayer. And his prayer was a prayer that was devoted to the Word of God, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible in the Old Testament. He was devoted to the Psalms and the book of Proverbs. He was devoted to the writings of the prophets. And so we can be devoted to the Word of God too. And if we are devoted to God's Word, then God's Word will illuminate our conscience. It will transform our minds and we'll be able to abide in a deeper intimacy with the Christ who dwells within us and who draws us to dwell with him forever in heaven. So, St. Joseph, we invite you, one of my favorite saints, uh, to pray for us. Until next time, from us at Ascension, we say God bless, we love you, deuces. Deuces.